Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Jeremiah Wonders. I'm so happy that you are joining me today. And I got to say, the episode that you're about to watch or listen to right here, right now, is one of my favorites that I've ever done. It is with my dad, my father, Ken Watkins. He's on the show today, live in the flesh. I went back home to Kansas City last month and I sat with him in his backyard at his house in Missouri. And we talked about his childhood. We talked about his previous marriages. He told me things that he said that some of his wives have never even known about. Uh, so I talk about um, the the marriages before we got to my mom. And, and it, it's crazy. He said that he said some stuff on there that, um, you know, I for sure have never heard in my life. So it's cool that uh, we get to share this together but it's an amazing episode i hope you guys enjoy it uh i hope you guys have been enjoying my one hour special jeremiah watkins family reunion available on amazon prime video on demand apple tv google play all that good stuff been plugging it for a minute i appreciate everybody who's just been watching it and making posts on instagram at jeremiah standup if you're not following me already please do so i've been posting clips from the special on my youtube that you can watch and uh all the likes and comments are going a long way and the reviews on itunes all that stuff helps and people have been listening on spotify too of the album so i really appreciate that and uh i'll have some vinyl and some cds available to mail you uh if you'd like that soon and uh yeah i'm in a hotel room on on tour right now i just got done with some shows in fort worth texas so closing out the night with uh this intro for the week on the roadcast i got this great i'm jack the ripper t-shirt that's available on my website jeremiahwatkins.com a lot of announcements that i just spit at you guys but i appreciate the support a lot of uh things happening right now 2021 here we go i love you guys thank you for the support on this podcast and please welcome for the first time as a guest, my dad, Ken Watkins, to Jeremiah Wonders. All right, here with my dad, Do, <laughs> in his backyard out in Missouri. Living and the dream. Living the dream. We're doing uh, we're doing a podcast outdoors right now. How how cold do you think it is right now? I'm seeing my breath. About 34 degrees. 34. We got a we got a we got a good old fashioned fireside <laughs> chat going. Yep. My FDR'd be proud of us. He might roll over in his grave. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> have you uh, have you ever done a podcast before, Dad? I might have stumbled into your podcast once before, but as far as a one-on-one, I don't believe so. Not is quite. You, you, Certainly not outdoor. Yeah, first time being a guest and first time doing it outdoors. At first time at thirty-four degrees. First time at thirty-four degrees. I know a lot of firsts today. This is cool. Um, well, this is a this is a kind of a unique opportunity for me to maybe even get to know you even better along with my listeners in some way because I'm I'm sure that there's going to be stories and stuff that uh, we might naturally stumble upon that I may have never even heard even though you've been been my dad my entire life. Okay. That's kind of scary come to think of it. We'll try we'll try to navigate through the minefields. Well, we were we were talking uh just yesterday about um how basically my mom is what marriage was that for you that was well we don't count one because it was less than 90 days so really she was my <laughs> second wife that one the, the second one doesn't tell, really tell count. me about the 90 day one <laughs> no i made the mistake of marrying a millionaire's daughter and i'm not a wealthy man i couldn't keep enough cocaine and pot and booze on hand to keep her happy I guess. oh yeah yeah now, the sex part, I had no problem with. It was all the rest of the stuff. That, it was all the other things. She liked to run those white lines, I think. So was that marriage number two? That was number two. Okay, so, yeah. so so tell me. We'll work back. We'll work. We'll get the mom in a second. But number two. Yes. How, yes. how did you meet this It lady? was number two, literally. Yeah. <laughs> certainly was. In more ways than one. Because <laughs> I don't, I really, I don't know anything about this woman because obviously you know when you have kids with somebody else you don't really talk about that different part of your life really well i met her in a bank i was cashing checks and and i was in the insurance business at the time traveling 
And so I would let checks accumulate because I was using a credit card, and I'd go in there and cash three or four checks at a time. So she thought I was making about four times what I was really making. And <laughs> and we got to talking. Her last name happened to be Watkins, Denise Watkins. And then we got to joking around. She said, well, if we get married, I won't, I won't have to change your name. Yeah. So, oh, change your name. My name. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, so she, so you were dating a, a a feminist before it was cool. Well, not really. I mean, she she was not not in the traditional sense. I mean, certainly she, you know, she was all woman. I will say that she was a lingerie model, and and you know, from the, <laughs> you neck, from the neck down, she was a ten. From the neck up, about a five or four. But it all worked out real well. It worked out real well. Wait, wait, for me. You're, I had no complaints. You're saying that the the wife you have before mom was a lingerie model. Yeah, she was. No lie. Yeah. She could, did they only shoot her from the neck down? <laughs> I, I, she never let me go on set. I don't know. That was before my time. I think a lot of that was she legit. She was on sets and stuff like that. Really? No, no. She, no. She actually did. She modeled lingerie, but she didn't make a ton of money at her. You know, she wouldn't have been a bank teller, right? So, <laughs> so I think it was probably Jay Z Penny's type underwear. It wasn't Victoria's Secret, so let's put it that. It was more like a was, Coles or a Marshalls kind well, of. Well, see, that was back in the days of Fredericks of Hollywood. That was before Victoria's Secrets came on board. Yeah. and legitimized beautiful lingerie for yeah, women. Of course. So, and uh, you know, we had a fling. And, uh, so, it, so how did was, that how did that fling come about? Like, it was just flirting, kind of at a bank, kind of thing. At a bank, and you know, she, I really think she thought I was making a lot more money than I was making, and so we proceeded to r- rapidly begin to date, and then. We rapidly got married, and then I moved to Texas with her. And uh, what part of Texas did you Dallas, live? Dallas. Lived in Dallas for a year. See, I don't even know if I <laughs> was aware that you lived in Dallas yeah, for, oh, yeah, for a year. Yeah, I Texas. Texas is not a state; it's a state of mind. I mean, they're, they're, they're no really. They're so free. You can be. I'll never forget. I'm pulling on an exit ramp, and. There's a big old guy in a pickup truck behind me. You look like Bigfoot. And he just decided to make his own exit ramp. He just got off on the side and drove down the middle of the nowhere. And, and that was Texas for you. You could be going down the highway in Texas, and there'd be a guy driving the other lane on a two-lane road, and he'd just pop up two fingers, his first and second finger, and that meant get your ears up. There's a cop coming. Oh, really? Or if you are if you were driving along and a guy was in front of you. He, I was going to adjust it. You're good. You're good. Just point if, if a guy was in front of you and he wasn't going as fast as you wanted him to, he'd just pull over on the shoulder and let you go by him. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was wild. I love Texas. love Texas. I mean, Texas had everything. East Texas had the forest. West Texas had the desert. Southern Texas had South Padre Island and the ocean. And Northern Texas, I don't know, Indians and casinos pretty much about it. That <laughs> works out okay, too, if you like to play a little cards and sure. hit the slots. Sure, you know? exactly. Not that I would do anything like that, but in those days. So you got temporarily lucky with your second wife in Texas. Well, I got lucky the day night we dated the first time, but you're not talking about that, are you? Oh, she was hotter do, than a firecracker, baby. How, how well do you remember that night? What night? The night I met her? Yeah. Uh, I, I met her. Well, I met I met her at the bank, cashing my checks. <laughs> right, right. And I took her out, and it was. Do you do you do you remember where you where you went to eat? I have no idea. It's just some kind of restaurant. I just remember after we went to eat. <laughs> what happened after? That <laughs> was the wildest sex I ever had. This one, I, I won't get I won't get specific, but <laughs> no, I'm just no, saying it's, it's okay. You can. <laughs> we're talking freely. We're in the backyard right uh, now. Have you heard of the term snapper? <laughs> no, <I've laughs> no. <never>. Well. <laughs> Every now and then, <laughs> a woman is blessed with extraordinary capabilities. Let's put it that way in just nice terms, which means they can take very good care of me. <laughs> she was blessed, and I was blessed. So, so it was a mutual blessing. So what? So she was a snapper. Can you describe what that means? That means in, in the in Here. bed. In bed. That means in bed. It's just. <laughs> I, I hate to get specific, but I would love way. for you to get specific. <laughs> the minute the minute it begins, it's like a vacuum sweeper. <laughs> I'm telling you, what. It, it literally they call they, those, those back in the '70s those were called a snapping pussy. <laughs> and they, they would grab a hold of you and ring you out. It'd be like making love to an old-fashioned washing machine ringer. <laughs> I hate to get, uh, God rest her soul. I think she died of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. But she married 
but she married a guy that he was known as Cocaine Dave. He ran a couple auto parts places. Yeah. And if you want to, if you went in there and ordered a certain set of spark plugs with a certain number, you wouldn't get spark plugs. Oh, you get some white some, stuff. Right. <laughs> so, so she she left me for him. But we 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 had pretty had a pretty good run. We lived in Dallas for a little less than a year. I told her I said I'll I'll live with you, but I can't be married to you. And so we got a divorce and then lived together for the next year, which was kind of bass backwards. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. So wait, so what led to that divorce then? And then how did you manage as a salesman that you are <laughs> to, to, to still get the friends with benefits kind of treatment? Well, I, I just had a marquee diamond on her hand that back in the 70 cost 5,000, which is probably equivalent to about 15 grand in today's money. So, I mean, she, I mean, I still, you know, she was still wearing the ring and all that. And uh, we lived together and, uh, you know. What it, caused, what caused the divorce after the 90 days? <sighs> Other than in bed, we fought like cats and dogs. So we just—that <laughs> right. was the only good part. So of the that marriage. was the ma- the best part of the relationship. Only th- only thing worth it. Sex was at the top, and then everything else down, kind of it went downhill fast. <laughs> yeah, real fast. So but no, I, but uh, from I'm the no, from the neck down, and the relationship was bad. <laughs> Or vice versa. <laughs> From the ne- 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 if I could have just taped her mouth shut, the neck down was good. But she had a mouth on her. <laughs> Although there were times I had no pr- no complaint in that department either. So <laughs> anyway, but no, I I uh, we we parted. We moved back to Kansas City, and it went it went south real fast. I I was. Uh, so you lived with her in Dallas for like a year or so. Uh, All together, we were together about a year. And after. then you moved back to Kansas moved City back after Kansas that, City. with yeah. her or without with, her? With her, yeah. How come she moved back to Kansas well, City? Well, her with you? folks were here, and my, you know, I was from here, and she was from here. So, so we, what was the initial push to to well, go to Dallas? We Just went freedom? From Dallas to Tucson, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, we lived in Tucson for about nine months. Or really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tucson was amazing. Uh, we would. Uh, I would say of the 52 weeks I lived in Tucson, I camped out, went out to the, either the canyons or Mount Lemmon, 40 of the 52 weeks. Now, Tucson's a wonderful place for outdoorsmen. When you would go to these outdoor places, would you be smoking weed or taking any kind of mushrooms or acid or anything <laughs> like that? Didn't do the mushrooms. Got a window pane of acid every now and then. What's but, it, now explain to me, what's a window a pane window of acid? A window is a little tiny micro dot, which I think they call a micro dot. Microdosing now? now? Yeah. Maybe. Well, no, micro dosing is taking small amounts. They're doing that on Wall Street right now, from what I understand. Oh, to... Micro dosing will, will cure uh, migraines. It'll help you just... Stay up a lot like cocaine. Microdosing is <laughs> businessmen love microdosing. Okay. But a micro dot was just a tiny, tiny amount of in it, a little a tiny, droplet, uh, but enough to as get, Fauci yeah, would say, enough, a droplet, <laughs> but enough to get you totally messed up. Yeah, yeah. but ma- mainly just pot, pot and booze. Would she, would she uh, ever do acid with you? No, never did acid with me. No, she. You so you just go out and be a wilderness guy well, where you would take well, some drugs. Well, no, I had like my that. brother. He, my, I, I, I did everything wrong in that marriage. I had my brother move out to Tucson with us, so he's so Uncle with, Paul was living with he you guys. Was li- oh yeah. My, yeah. How big was the house that uh, that you were living in out in Tucson? Normal. I mean, normal three bedroom house. I mean, we were in a nice place. I had a view of the mountains. I mean, you know, we uh, we we did all right. Uh, I had, uh, and then I ended up. Uh, uh, we, we bought a house in Tucson, bought mm-hmm. a house in Dallas, and then sold it and bought it. Back in the 70s, you could buy a house and 90 days later sell it and make money. It was called a bigger fool theory. No matter how big a fool you were to buy a property, it would go up in appreciation. Inflation was going crazy. So it, you'd pick up several thousand dollars, as, and you could sell them. Didn't need a realtor. You could, they would have, you, back in the 70s, you could assume a home loan without having to qualify for it. Okay. So a lot of that was going on. Yeah, where people Speculation. were- Speculation. Yeah, where they're like, oh, I can I can handle this, and then you, there's flip, no way to pay it back. And, exactly. Yeah, so, well, that, that's probably why, you know, certain housing market crashes have and yeah, stuff over the years. exactly like why they happen. Yeah. Yeah, but people uh, they don't, they should be renting or buying, that's, yeah. So it. Uncle Paul was living with you guys. How old was, how old were you at this time? Uh, 20, 25, 26. Okay, so he must have been early 20s. 20, 20 He was 20 years yeah. old, and he moved out to... Yeah. Wow. Yep. And wait, and this was marriage number two? Marriage number two. <laughs> <laughs> so you're married at the... Like, this is a second marriage in your mid-20s. Right. So I got married my first one at 19. I was, I was, I was actually, so I'm 26. I'm 27 now. I got married at 19. I was married seven years, and then got a divorce. 
And no kids or anything no with kids. no kids. Did you had you talked about it with with the first wife at all? Yeah, I told her if she ever got pregnant, I was out of there. So <laughs> didn't do a lot for you know. Needless <laughs> to say, the respect level is kind of low. But she put up with me. <laughs> Why she would have, I don't know. I for the life of me, she was a sweet girl, and I she deserved a lot better. But you know, again. Where, so where did you meet the the first wife at? Uh, the old classic driving through the drive-in, you know, you've got your hot rod car parked and she drives by in her old broken down 62 Chevy and you got your 69 Chevelle Supersport parked in there with the rear end all jacked up and the big tires on the back and the 396 and, and it's brand new and you're looking like a stud and she comes driving by and her and her girlfriend. And uh, so you flag them down and say, hey, let's uh, double up. Let's go for me and my buddy. Always yeah. had a, I gotta have a wingman. You gotta have a wingman. Gotta have a wingman. Now, would you? Man. Would he get the table scraps? Would he? he get Not the- at all. No, this guy was a stud, man. He put me to shame. I, he, I learned from him. I was probably his wingman. In fact, we were dating when we got in with these two girls. I was cross talking. I was talking to her up in the front seat, and he's talking to the girl in the back. He's talking to the girl in the back seat. And so we get in the, we stopped and we went in the restroom and I says, "Hey, you will see what's going on?" I said, "Yeah, I see what's going on." I says, "We're mis- we got it we got it mixed up here." I said, "So I said, I'll handle it." So we got out the car and I said, "You know, you girls need to stretch your legs and the back seat's a little crowded. Won't you girls just trade places?" <laughs> and they traded places and then that I started dating her and 3 months later we were married. Wow. Now, what what job were you working? General Motors, assembly line, assembly line General Motors. I'm uh, I'm building cars, '69 and '70 Chevelle Super Sports. I bought my car from a, a supervisor at General Motors. Had three thousand miles on it. It listed for forty five hundred. This is a, this is a muscle car now. Listed for forty five hundred. I bought it for thirty three hundred dollars. '69 Chevelle Super Sports. So you always you always been a con man with, with, with con man. That's cold. That's cruel. I just I take advantage of an opportunity when I see right, it. Right, right. You seize the moment. I'm an opportunist. You're an opportunist. Okay, not a con man. I Sorry, like that. don't you? Yeah, that's, okay, that's good. You've always been a politician too. Opportunist. So opportunist is, yes. sounds a lot better than that. Yes, it does. So. Uh, General Motors, that was considered a very good factory job back then, It was then, right? a good factory job. And like it was a high-paying high paying Well, but I, I made a, the, the ultimate mistake of my career was leaving Hallmark Cards to go to General Motors. When was that? That's uh, I was mar- married in the first marriage, and uh, I was convinced that, uh, in fact, right before my first marriage, I went in the Marine Corps at, 18, at 19, got off, after, got off active duty, came back to Hallmark Cards, and I, for just a little bit more money per hour, went to General Motors. I should have stayed at Hallmark. Everybody that went to work at Hallmark back in the 70s, 30, 40 years later, retired with over a million dollars in their retirement fund. Oh, I, wow. would, I walked away from them. I missed about a half a dozen chances to be a millionaire. And here I'm just a po' boy <laughs> talking about it. But, yeah, I've missed a lot of opportunities. I mean, we're in a we're in a very nice backyard now, though. Well, you know. I'm, you know. <laughs> but but, but th- this is marriage number four. We'll get into that a little bit. I had to work my way back up the food chain again, you know. <laughs> Takes a little bit of effort at 70. You don't make it quite as quickly. <laughs> So, so what was what was um do you remember the what kind of day rate you were making at general motors back and then because this would have been well, i mean you're 19... talking believe it or not in 1970 four dollars and fifty cents an hour was good money yeah 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 it's, it's like thirty dollars an hour now yeah your very first job do you remember how much the rate was for that like your very my, very it's, first age job. 16 in the virgin islands 50 cents an hour and he got busted because he was paying too below minimum they made us uh, pay back pay to a dollar an hour so like legally he was supposed to be paying me a dollar an hour and he's paying me 50 cents so my first job was a dollar an hour now you grew up very religious which a lot of people know about me that you're the right. son of right. A missionary, right? Your missionary's kids. Uh, when you married your first wife, did uh, did that have the blessing from grandma and grandpa? Was she in the church? They, this first, yes, first marriage? she. We we were yes. As long as we stayed in the church, everything was smooth. And there's whatever you, whether you're an atheist or whatever, there's something about the community that uh, a church provides that gives you some stability in a relationship in a marriage. So yes, as long as we were in the church, things were good. Only, unfortunately, I was up and down like a yo-yo. And uh, not, what, what do you what do you mean now when I'm all leveled out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never I never see you up and down anymore. I'm all yeah. leveled out now. But back yeah. in those days, I was up and down like a yo-yo, and more down than up. And what uh, what were some of your your ups and downs as the yo-yo? 
Well, I, like su- I, going super religious and then backing off of it. Yeah, that and and part of the problem. And I just you know put it bluntly. I'm I'm a, my whole philosophy of religions radically different than then. At that time, if you weren't perfect, then you were a sinner, and there's no hope for you, and you're going to hell. And now I realize that God still loves sinners, and you can sin, and still God forgives your sins, and you're still a Christian. So I I see God in a whole different capacity now than then. But at that time, is either all or nothing. And that kind of mentality drove a lot of people out of religion completely. Me too. Me included. Sure. Uh, but now I realize that I'm a sinner saved by grace. And yes, I sin, but I know that the God forgives and is and it's all taken care of. He's my father. Father doesn't kick the son out. Once you ever adopted in the family, you don't get booted out just when you mess up. That's very true. That's very true. Didn't mean to get a sermon in, but I'll pass the plate here any minute now. We'll get a little money coming in. <laughs> anyway, so, but uh, no, uh, we, uh, uh, I, I divorced her and, and I had a lot of regret about that. And because uh, you were with her for seven years. Seven years. And now yeah. that's getting to a kind of a pivotal point. Like, because I'm, you know, I'm in my early 30s now where uh, later on in your late 20s, you start kind of asking those questions with your significant other, like, our kids yep. in the future Absolutely. is this happening so was yep. that one of the reasons that you guys split up was she wanted kids and that you didn't yet i think she wanted children because when she remarried she did have children by her her next her second husband and uh i'm certainly you know i was a total jerk about about the whole thing I, but i had unresolved issues with my own father until a person resolves those issues he should not be a father himself i did not uh, I expected perfection from my father, even though I was woefully short of that myself. And I didn't. Why, why do you think you expected perfection from? Oh, my from dad's Grandpa. a minister. He's a minister, and he's a man of the cloth. And yet, I I see things in him that were very human, and uh, fell short of what I thought he should have been. I was very judgmental and very harsh about him. And uh, then only after I'd screwed up my own life and made a lot of stupid mistakes, then I realized he was a man of honor. He fought. In World War II, he risked his life for this country and and his for freedom. And even though he had uh, issues, PTSD back those days they called it shell shock or nerves. Now it's PTSD. Uh, he did a lot of drugs. <laughs> he had never drink or smoke. Never smoked a cigarette. Never drank a beer. But he did a lot of Valium and did a lot of, of uh, opioids. Uh, and uh, I saw him messed up on those uh, to the point that he might as well have been drunk. And I held that against him again. I expected perfection of him, but not of myself. And that's what you call a hypocrite, I guess. It's expected more of other people than you do yourself. Well, that's what's kind of hard about, I think, what, why, what's a turnoff for some people, like you mentioned, from the church is that judgmental energy uh-huh. is exactly the reason why people kind of steer clear of, of churches. I mean, it's, it's definitely a reason why uh, I have not found a church home that I really connect with is there's 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 a judgmental energy in a lot of uh organized religion settings i find sometimes that is sometimes kind of harder to to overlook where i would rather kind of just have a my own personal beliefs and and my own relationship with god rather than kind of feeling that judgmental nature like you know the church that we grew up going to a perfect example absolutely um, certainly a good example of that was was that in a nutshell it was all gossip it was all judgmental well, energy they weren't just judgmental of people outside the church they were just as judgmental of people inside the church if oh you didn't they, attain they ran a level their mouth of, about everybody if you didn't attain a level of perfection on a daily weekly monthly basis you were you were uh, missing the mark and uh, you were in need of prayer and all the, all that went along with that so yeah there was a tremendous amount of judgmental within the church itself of, of one against each other and i didn't feel a truly compassionate, loving environment in that church. All I felt was that I could never measure up. I could never be good enough to please them. It felt and, very fire and brimstone at that church. Like I, I, a lot of like, cause I have, as a kid, I have a lot of memories of mm-hmm. legit being mm-hmm. afraid of going to hell. Yeah. Like if, oh, yeah. if I did, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like legitimately, if I did something wrong, I was afraid that, Oh, I'm going to go to hell like right now. Well, and, and, you know, again, this is not about theology, but the fundamental difference between my way of being raised was you could live a perfect sinless life and, and you could uh, say a swear word and then have a car wreck. And as you said, that swear word, a semi hits your car and you're killed and going to, and, and go and you die and you go to hell because you said the swear word because that was a sin. And I know better now 
I, I know that the Heavenly Father, we are his children once we ever have truly become his children, and he doesn't give up on us just because we mess up. And I know better now. And But at the time, I didn't, and it, it drastically affected my whole relationship with people, with God, with everything. It affected all my life. And I have a freedom now that I've never, never known before. And I've only found that in the last, actually in the last few years and, and way in the way, way too late in life. God's that God's a loving God and a forgiving God. Once we ever truly know him, we don't unknow him. We are his children. Do you, do you find that, were you able to connect with grandpa at a later time in life? Yes, I was. I, I, by the time I had gone through divorce, bankruptcy, um, <clears throat> business failure, Done all, done every stupid thing I could do, and I've tasted success too. I know what it's like to fly in a company uh, jet and a saber liner with the president of a large insurance company, and I also know what it's like to be living in my van. So I've known both extremes. <laughs> Not by the river. That was no river, but well, I did we, live in my well, van. <laughs> well, well, I I tell people occasionally that, um, you know, uh, w- you know, we've all had uh, financially over the years. We've all uh, with, especially with like. Uh, you and mom getting divorced and different different stuff like that. There's been different social income levels, and mm-hmm. uh, you have uh, you found a skill that I appreciate, <laughs> and that is dumpster diving. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my hobbies. That's one of my passions. Because you have it. you've actually my dad's given me a Chiefs beanie that looked almost brand new <laughs> that I I put through the washer. <laughs> oh yeah, you want to you want to you want to get you want to sanitize you want to sanitize. Yeah, yeah. Let's not be gross about this. You know <laughs> right. what I mean. <laughs> Right. One man's trash is a, a Watkins present. <laughs> well, well, there are because you have given me. You have to admit, you have given me some dumpster dive <laughs> Christmas presents, haven't you? I don't recall that. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have to be more you specific. Defi- you definitely you'd need have. to be more specific because you can That's a blanket statement, and I, I resemble. I mean, I resent that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but uh, no, uh, dumpster diving is a fun thing now because I, but again, I, pride is a, 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 comes in many forms. You can be just as proud of being a dumpster diver as being proud of being a millionaire. And I'm proud of the fact that I can find something of value and not have to spend any money for it. Now, if I had converted that same energy to just going to get a job, an extra job, so I'd probably been, who knows, way farther in. But I wouldn't have had near as much fun. Finally, after all my dumpster diving, I finally got in trouble. First time ever. When? Got it. It was a residence. There's a car car parked out front. There's a dumpster in the guy's driveway. It was one of those open door dumpsters. You can just walk into one end of it. I walked into one end of it and started going through some stuff. I hear a voice behind me. says, what are you doing? Well, I'm I'm looking through this dumpster. (laughs) He says, you're on my property. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't know anybody was home. I said, "I, I thought the house was vacant. He said, there's a car parked out front. I said, well, sometimes people leave cars just so they'll, it'll look like they're living there. He says, I don't appreciate you coming in my dumpster. He says, because they won't take this stuff if it's above the top level. And he said, you've got it all tore up. I said, sir, I apologize. If I promise, I promise you I'll, I'll put it back like it was. And I says, I was afraid he was going to kick my butt. I really, I knew I had an ass kicking coming. But what, what part of town were you in? Right here, about a mile from my house. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it was, okay. it was Raymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, long story short, he, he he cut me some slack. And he said, well, okay, I'll let you go. But he says, I want the, I want everything like back like it was. So that was the cleanest, most organized-looking dumpster I'd ever seen in my life now, when I got done. on your way out, did you take any items? Oh, on I your took way several out? items. Well, that was, I was already there. That's I your fine. I yeah. ain't leaving. I ain't leaving without some goodies yeah yeah but no but no what, what was one of the things that you got while you're in there i you know i've got a whole house full of dumpster stuff so i can't remember specifically now what does, it was does your wife does Jana get upset with you ever from bringing she, she won't let me if if we're together she will not she won't let you stop she won't let me stop no. so i'll usually circle back you have to do it on your I'll own take time. her home and go back on my own it's kind of like uh, i don't care if you do it but just not in front there's of me there's one exception we're out at a lake this is a lake homes all around this lake called lake Lotawana. and we just gone to a nice dinner at the marina and afterwards i said let's just drive around the lake at sunset and i saw this dumpster in front of the house obviously vacant and the sailboat is up on my mantle and there's a bag of furs in that dumpster and i grabbed the bag of furs and the bo- and the boat uh, and 
I called a, a couple of furriers in Kansas City, and they didn't want them. Took them to a pawn shop. Wait, wait, you know, you know fur people in Kansas City? No, I just called a couple of furriers, Alaska fur, whatever. And then I took it to a pawn you, shop. Did you go down the Yellow Pages, or how did you well, go about? I, I knew there were a couple of fur places in town. Okay. And so then, then I, uh, <laughs> I decided to just put them on Craigslist, so I threw them on Craigslist. You know, either buy each individual or a long story short, three. I, I sold them for three hundred dollars to the first guy that came out. Really, for three hundred dollars, and they were just—it was just a bag of fur in the dumpster. Oh, well, oh, I, well, it was fur coats, ladies, oh, fur ladies coats. fur coats, ladies yeah, fur coats, ladies fur coats. I probably gave them away. They're probably worth a lot more than three hundred. Probably, but it's also like you're not a you're not a fur guy. So I, <laughs> I don't, how do you know it all? I didn't. Know. How do you get rid of it? All I can say is he he couldn't wait to give me my money and take them all. Oh, I yeah. bet. So how I, many was there? Four or five. Fur oh coats. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, where are you going to take those other? You know I was just I mean? going to use them maybe for modeling my wife. I thought maybe you kind of have some fun with them. You know, you can only get so much mileage out of schoolgirl outfits, right? I thought some furs would be kind of oh, nice. no. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want to think of my stepmom no, like that. No, you don't want to think that way. <laughs> Neither do I. No, I'm kidding. I do. Exactly. But no, we, we have fun. We have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, more have, fun for me. We have than, a lot of probably fun. a lot more fun for me than her, but she put, she suffers through it. So it, it's a it's a workable deal. Now, so, so what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> did you want to put another? My mind's a blank. <laughs> did you want to put another log on the fire? Yeah, let me put another log. On yeah, the yeah. Fire. I'll 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 talk while you grab a uh, another log. Uh, now, Dad, people were. Um, but a lot of people liked you in uh, in my special, Jeremiah Watkins Family Reunion, which you can uh, you can rent on Amazon or purchase it. It's only five bucks on Amazon if you want to check it out. Give it a five star rating if you've already watched it. Um, all those ratings and stuff help. But the people liked your interviews a lot on, on that, and I wanted to to give an opportunity for you to be shown even a little bit more but what was it like seeing yourself in a uh, in a stand up special because that's that's got to be a unique kind of feeling seeing your son put out well it gave me a kind of an idea of what it must be like to be Jeremiah because I've always wondered what's it like to be on stage what is it like to be uh, have people looking at you with admiration or with enjoyment uh, I've always uh, I've tried a little karaoke, had fun doing it. First time I uh, was uh, very, very clumsy with it. Second time got a little better. And by the time I'd done it the third time, I was having fun with it. So, uh, But that's the closest thing I'd ever had to any exposure as far as a crowd. I've spoken in a church environment. They're usually very supportive. Mm-hmm. And uh, But... Uh, it it was it was an interesting and unique experience. I will say that. Well, so you mentioned to me when we were driving around that uh, you're thinking about doing a comedy routine. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking kind of a you know you Dr. Ruth Westheimer was her name I believe she was a sex therapist. I'm thinking more of a Christian country boy sex therapist. You know from you know, kind of not risque, not not vulgar, but you know still Christians need sex. So they probably need more of that advice than a lot of other people and I can certainly provide it for them because so, I've had a very so, checkered past. So this would be like uh, more of a character that you do kind of would like you a would red you put, green show only with sex. Right. Which, now advice. would you put on a wig and different stuff like that? I'll probably bib overalls maybe. You know? Yeah. And maybe a straw hat. You know I'd, I'd I'd ham it up a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you have a voice picked up for this guy? And do you have a name? Oh, or would uh, you go by yourself? No, I'd, I'd probably I could come up with a stage name, probably maybe Uncle Herschel, maybe Uncle Herschel's. <laughs> I like Herschel's because it brings back memories of my son going to breakfast with me at I Cracker, know. Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Uncle that's Herschel's. our spot. So, that's our spot. I'm like Uncle Herschel's uh, old time <laughs> sexual advice for Christians and wannabe. Okay, Christian so wannabe. so let's. Uh, I'm I'm gonna act like I'm calling into the show, okay? And you're gonna be Uncle Herschel, well, okay? I I hadn't reviewed my material here lately. <laughs> it's called improv. <laughs> yeah, you're putting me on the spot. I am putting you on the spot a little well, bit. You know, I think the whole thing is this this whole sexual revolution. Women have had they got the first shot at it because the women got the pill. And then all of a sudden, here comes the little blue pill for the men, which has been has set a whole lot of old men free. I'm here to tell you. If you think that whatever is good, that is, makes it a whole lot better. And uh, so you use uh, Viagra? 
Not more than twice a day. Usually more. more for, I, I'd like to be ready. You know, you can do Cialis that keeps you ready all the time. Viagra does the same. They just do it morning and night, and you're you're good. No, you're always ready. So you have it, you know, the Monday through Sunday uh, vitamin boxes. Do you have that like uh, per each day? <laughs> no, I usually keep it separate. I don't. I don't want a double dose or something because then you got problems. Then you have a heart issue. Well, no, it lowers blood pressure. In fact, when they discovered Viagra, they were looking for a heart medication that would would, would lower blood pressure. And all of a sudden, these guys in the lab are all walking around with erections. And yeah. they realized they'd found something that would might be the solution to the ED problem in the country. Oh, there you go. I was sold, a, uh, I, in sales my whole career, sold heating and cooling products. And uh, upper exclusive area of Kansas City is called Wrist Lake. Man had a beautiful two-story house, but the upstairs was hot. Well, I'm there to solve the problem, and I'm selling him a system for the second floor. And he said, I am the the uh, Pfizer rep for Kansas City. He said, and, of course, Pfizer was, had just come out with Viagra. This is back in the 80s or late 70s, early 80s. And he said, you might say this house was erected on Viagra. <laughs> so, so, yes, it's been made a good thing. Certainly put a lot of guys back in the game that were thinking the game was over. Yeah. And, and put them back in, in, in the game in a big way. <laughs> really. And um, for guys, for you guys out there that are concerned about size, not size, you know, if, it, if you think it matters well, then you need – that's another thing. It just kind of gives you a little extra, little extra junk in the trunk, <laughs> a little extra girth and <laughs> – and a little, just a little bit more. If you, what's little just a, just a little bit more. A little bit more oomph. Pushing for the pushing. Definitely, but the biggest thing is is it make you a rock star. You absolutely could be a rock star. <laughs> you they, feel like a rock star when you? Well, I've I've been on it for so many years now. I just I've learned to live with it. But yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> I recommend it for guys in their thirties and forties that are. They think they're they think they're good. They don't they don't even have a clue. They don't have a clue. <laughs> with with the performance enhancing drugs, Abs- absolutely. Yeah, it is is it's high octane. Energy. Okay, so I'm a I, I'm an old woman who's calling into the Uncle Herschel program. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna try to get sex advice from a hillbilly Christian character. Right, that is you. Okay, that's me. That's okay, me. okay, okay. So I'll, okay, I'll, ma'am. I'll come. What's your question, ma'am? Well, I have an issue with. My husband, he wants me to pleasure him downstairs, but I don't know if that's ladylike or Christian-like behavior. What is your opinion? Well, the St. Paul had some things to say about that, and he basically said the only time that a woman should withhold herself from a man is if it's by joint consent. And I don't know of any man that ever gives consent for them to withhold themselves. So <laughs> the one so of the leaders... <laughs> yeah. Would you say that I, I should... I would say that certainly it, it's to mutual advantage to pleasure the other person. Now you, you, but I don't, I don't know if I like it or not. Are, are, are we talking about the more or less the conventional manner of, of pleasure, or are we talking about something a little more off of the beaten track? Well, he first wanted me to, you know, blow on it down there, <laughs> and then he asked me to put a tongue in his butthole one night. <laughs> Well, I'm not into the unsanitary issues of the subject, so therefore I don't consider that sanitary. And unless you have, but, but outside of sanitary, do you think do you think the Lord would approve of that behavior between a husband and a wife? I think the Lord approves anything the husband and wife approve of. <laughs> the The Bible says the bed of marriage is undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers I will judge, saith the Lord. So I think the marriage is what God specialized. Adam and Eve, let's face it, He created them naked, right? They had no clothing on, so God, God's not against nudity. Absolutely not. So do you think I should toss my husband's salad? <laughs> do you think I should give him a rim job? If, if, if you can do it. Do you think the church would approve of that? I think that's getting a little toward the, more into the personal issue. I don't think the church has any right to say what goes on in the bedroom in a, in a marriage situation. I think it's up to the husband and the wife. If it works for you, then go for it. And if it, uh, it's, it's always a good idea to experiment and try new things. You, know, you can't go wrong on that. Uh, thank you so much for your advice. <laughs> God bless you, ma'am. <laughs> Well, you just took your first caller on on your show. That's exciting. Yes, it is. (laughs) 
So how did so we'll, we'll we've covered the first and second marriage, which leaves number three, which you, is that's mother. my mom, your dear beautiful mother. Yes. So how did uh, how did you originally meet mom? I was out with a wingman. In fact, we were both two guys out uh, in a bar, and she was with a friend of hers, and I think she and her friend got separated. And the long story short is. Uh, she was from Des Moines, uh, where she's come down to the city for the weekend and, uh, I took her home, uh, and, uh, we spent the night and then she went back to Des Moines that weekend. And then that I got off on, uh, in the middle of the week, I was in sales at work Saturdays. So I got off, uh, during, what were you selling at this time? Cars. I was in the car business. Okay. And so I'd go to Des Moines during the middle of the week and she'd come down on the weekends. We did that for three months and then we got married. Three months. Mm-hmm. Three months. Something magical about three months in my life. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> if you can't make a decision, if you can't figure it out in 90 I mean, days, they've it made ain't meant to be. 90 Day Fiance. They made a whole show out of it. Did they? I've not yeah. heard I've not aware yeah, of it. I'll, I'll, I'll send 90, you some links. There you go. 90, like 90 Day Fiance. I'd like to see it. No, there's something about a 90 day period of time. The seasons. The Bible says for every season, there's a season for everything. 90 days is a season. Okay. okay. So, first night, did you hook up with mom on the first night? Well, you need to ask your mom that question. <laughs> because I did work at a company that your mother worked at. And when they found out that I was married to your mom, I never said a bad word about her. And I said, all I said is, she never told me no. <laughs> she never Good told me no. <laughs> That's all I ever said about her. What the frick? <laughs> she never told I me asked. no. I guess I asked. <laughs> I got the, I got more than I needed to know on that. Well, um, you didn't get here accidentally. There was some effort putting in to get you here. <laughs> so uh, how long before, because I have a couple siblings, so how, how long before uh, your firstborn came into the picture how long had you and mom been been dating before your mother was re- i w- when we met we w- the night we met we talked about life and is it one, was it one of those things where you stayed up like real late into the night the first night just talking you know? just yeah. talking we talked for hours and she let me know she had been married divorced and she was ready to settle down and have children i told her i said i've finally resolved the issues about, with my own father i'm ready to be a dad what what was the final thing in in your opinion, between you and Grandpa, where you felt kind of closure on like I I think I'm good now, like as far as like I'm ready to have my own kids and I'm ready to to start a family uh, and stuff. I think it was the fact that I finally had to take a hard look at the man and realize that in spite of him being human, in spite of his failures, he stayed married to my mom for 50 years. He also uh, fought in World War II, risked his life for me that I might have freedom. And uh, the things I held against him were th- failings that were very, very human. And I also looked at my own life. And after looking at my checkered past, I realized that uh, it was time to forgive him and move on. Was there a certain moment, though, that you that that you or was it a gradual progression of things over the last? I think that it, the, it was a gradual pr- progression because uh, in the this, last couple of years. Because this is after you had lived in Dallas and, and Tucson. I'm just trying to figure out the, and the back timeline stuff. City. And moved back to Kansas City. How long were you in Kansas City before you started dating mom? And, and this is when you were selling cars? Selling cars. Okay. Yeah. I'd been uh, I'd been single for probably several, two or three years. And I was selling cars, so... Um, now, as a, as a single guy, were you were you active in the scene? Was I active in the? It, were you active in the dating scene? Yeah, I, I in fact, car sales is, is awesome because you meet a lot of young women, and and I always got the car sale done first. You don't ever want to you get it the other way around. Otherwise, you end up with no car sale and you just some fun stories to talk about. But Has so, that ever happened? Were you were you accidentally? Nope. Never got involved until after I sold them a car. They buy a car and I figure they've already bought me. They're buying, they're already, that's, the, the battle's already won. And not that everyone I sold a car to I slept with. That, that wasn't the point at all. But <laughs> <laughs> some of them I really didn't want to. But that was a nice sales commission. <laughs> but it was it was a fringe fringe benefit. Yeah. Definitely. Fringe benefit. So you were you're single, you're dating stuff for a few years and then you start 
dating mom. You met her at a bar? Met her at a bar. Yeah. And then, like I say, we spent hours talking that night. She wanted to have kids. I was ready to settle down and have kids. We went back and forth. From, I'd, just, I'd go up to Des Moines, and I'd spend the day while she was working. I'd go, and I was pretty active. I'd run down by the river and uh jogging or uh and working out and then she'd get off work and then we'd spend the, the time together and then she'd come down on the weekends and we did that for three months and we decided hey either make it or break it and yeah because that's a, like a three and a half four hour drive yep. so that's so, that make it or break. so we of... decided yes we wanted we're going to go for the go for it and then all of a sudden nine or about a year nine months ten months later here comes my first son yeah and uh, then a little girl after right about a, another year and a week. Then we waited a little while were you guys trying uh like was she did you know that she was like off the pill or anything I, like yeah, that we, like the we, whole time we you're, knew, you're we knew she was ready i was ready we didn't oh yeah we never she how, never, how old were you when when you decided that you were like this ready well, jonathan's 36 uh 35 so i would have been 35 35 was when you're like 35 36 yep okay yep yeah there's doorways i believe every seven years you have a doorway in life that was doorway number five for me at 35 i feel like i'm entering my new doorway i'm 32 right now so Mm -hmm. and you obviously you know the big the big door have a have a son on the way now you're gonna be a one of the biggest first first grandchild you're gonna have Mm -hmm. yeah we're pretty pumped about that too yeah, absolutely, and I'm glad to see that you've got your father issues maybe resolved a few years ahead of me. So any issues that you I might... really, I honestly, I don't think I really have too many father well, issues. Well, you're, like I say, I've had a checkered past, and you guys are pretty much aware of my shortcomings, like I was aware of my own father's. The difference is. I came from a judge. I think the religion thing had a lot to do with me. I expected perfection from him because everybody expected me to live a perfect, sinless life as a yeah. Christian. So I expected the same of him. I don't. I don't expect that of people. And we're all sinners. We're all sinners. But there's a great Savior that forgives our sins. Thank God for that. There you go. So when um, I want to go back, so. Around the same time, you said, so that's when you started having kids with with Mm -hmm. mom and everything like that. Mm -hmm. What were the jobs? Because you've had a lot of different jobs over. Most of all all sales. All within, all under the umbrella sales. But people ask me a lot. They're like, you know, so what does your dad do? And everything. uh, (laughs) And I'm like, well, he sold. He's been a salesman his entire life, so but he sold a lot of different things. You want to kind of walk me, walk well, me, and the listeners through some of the the interesting jobs you may have. Well, unfortunately, you know, but by not getting whatever you may think about college degrees, they don't make you smart. Uh, you either you're either dumb or smart. College gives you something on your resume that says that you have the ability to stick to something and stay with it which makes you desirable to an employer. Therefore, there's a certain level of achievement that's that comes to a person with a college degree. If nothing, even, even an associate's degree still says you adhere to a discipline enough to get a, a degree. And by not having that, you there are a lot of jobs you're just not qualified for. They will not hire you. Mm-hmm. And even back in the 70s and 80s when jobs were plentiful, and that's the other thing too, the economy was so good, if you didn't like where you were, you could always move. move. It was very easy to go in the car business. Money was good. Uh, ever you could you could just simply pick up and change dealerships. They're called floaters. <laughs> that was kind of a negative connotation, but a lot of that happened. Guys changed jobs all the time in the car sales. Same with the insurance business. Same way, change companies. Still selling, still selling the same product. Just change, flying under flying under different flag. Kind of like a pirate flying under a different flag. Right. But um, with the, the the car business, to give you an example, I, I went to work for the number one uh, Datsun at the time. They're Nissans now, but the number one Datsun dealer in the Midwest. The, I'd never sold cars before in my life, and you sold you drove a car based on your sales for that month. I started out in a little Datsun B210 the first month. The second month, I drove a 310. The third month, I drove a 510. The fourth month, I drove a 200SX. The fifth month, I was salesman of the month and drove a 280ZX. The following so they would that, bump you up every, all according to sales. Wow. That's a lot of incentive as a young guy. Absolutely. So by the fifth month, I'm driving the 280ZX sports car. And then the sixth month, I got promoted to leasing manager. So I'm making good money. And when, I also, when you're in the 280ZX, were you peak man whore? 
Well, yeah, because I'd bought me a black 280Z also. So I had two 280ZXs in my driveway, one which I gave a long-legged blonde to drive. <laughs> she was ha, 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 ha. Do you remember her name? Uh, no, but I sure remember her. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like a casual girlfriend along the way? Yeah, I, she had a secretarial service, and I think she was... What was her secretarial service? She just basically did secretarial work uh, as a contractor for different... Uh, Small businessman, right? And I think she was. She made your small businessman a big businessman. I wasn't the only one she was doing business with. I found out later. I was in love with her. She was in love with everybody. Right. So, so anyway, I didn't have an exclusive on that deal. (laughs) So we parted company, and uh, and then, uh, gosh, then I met your mom not too long after that. Actually, yeah. What was the? How old were you when you lost your virginity? Man, I was 19. I went in, I went in the Marine Corps, did six months active duty in the Marine Corps as a virgin. And uh, Was that, did you feel uh, like going in the Marines, like at that age, like, did you find that most of the other guys around you had had sex by then? Oh, they were all talking about eating pussy. That's all you could hear about, eating pussy. <laughs> That's all that you was like the about. macho thing in the oh, Marines? It was, that was it. It was it. One guy said he was into armpits. I don't know what he was kind of He was weird. into armpits? He he, he just likes he, he would he would, he would he would lick an armpit? I guess. He'd go down on an armpit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there was a couple of gay guys in the platoon. Since then, Did you know? Oh yeah, they didn't try to hit on me. I didn't hit on that. You know, we but, we knew. But at this time, though, that they wouldn't say it out loud, would they? Well, we knew they were gay, but they were into each other, and they didn't mess with us. We didn't bother them. They they performed. Oh, it was like a mutual. Yeah, we left them alone. They were. I mean, obviously, you don't do it. They weren't. They weren't open with it. And in the Marine Corps back in those days, if you could cut it, if you could do the runs and you could do the drills and you could keep up and do your thing, they didn't care. They're going to send really? you to Vietnam. To, you're going to be cannon fodder. You're going to not. But you Pardon couldn't. Me. But you couldn't be. You probably w- wouldn't be allowed to be openly Open. gay. No, yeah, yeah. no, no. That, this was, was kind of like don't ask, don't tell. Definitely. Gotcha. And of course. And what year? Was, what year were you in the in the Marines? Sixty-seven. They could still ask. You had to say they. Back oh, in they 60s, could directly ask you. Absolutely. And if you said you were, you did not go in the military. The don't ask, don't tell happened in the later seventies. Okay. Yep. So this would a doctor? Would that be one of the things of the checklist that they would ask probably you, or was it a drill sergeant application? Thing? Probably your recruiter. That might be somewhere in the paperwork. It would ask your sexual orientation. So like you were friends with with these gay guys, but they wouldn't. Well, like, no, you, nobody's your friend in the, in the boot camp. You have no friends. Really? Well, it's not, that mentality. The mentality is every man for himself. I mean, you learn to be. You become a team in the fact that you have to do things as a unit. Right. You become bigger than yourself. You're you're now part of a unit. Yeah. But as far as personal friendships, there are guys that had friends. We went in. There were four of us that went in from Kansas City, and some a couple of those guys became friends as a result of that. Uh, but um, the Marine Corps thing was, uh, uh, you know, we we did. I I was I never said a swear word, never drank a beer in six months active duty in the Marine Corps. Where I went to heck in a handbasket was going to General Motors after I got out. <laughs> so up to that point, had you never drank before? Never drank. Never when did you start drinking? At General Motors. What, after all that time, what led you, because that's interesting, If you, because in my opinion, mm-hmm. those were the hardest years were up until, you know, like around that time, right. because that's where a lot of the high school and peer pressure and all that stuff right. comes in. Well, see, I went to Bible school, so there's no peer pressure to drink. Ah. And so I went from directly from a sophomore. I was in my sophomore year at a Bible college. And these guys were hanging out in there pretending to be, they had ministerial deferments. And they were a bunch of pussies. They weren't going to be ministers. They were just hiding out. And I said, screw them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to go to the Marine Corps. And I did. Oh, they were hiding at the Bible school. Yeah, they were. They were a couple. They, they yeah. never became ministers, but they got a ministerial deferment. Kept them as long wow. as you got carried twelve hours and said you were studying to be a minister. You didn't have to go to Vietnam. You didn't have to go to the military. You got a deferment. And and you're like, screw this. I'm signing up. Exactly. So I never knew that about you. <laughs> so, well, I I was so disgusted with their lack of patriotism. I tried to go in the army at age seventeen. I brought paperwork home to my mom and dad. And they wouldn't right it? out of high school. They wouldn't let me go. I was going at 17, but uh, they wouldn't let me. So anyway, I so I did the Marine Corps thing. No, it all when I got to General Motors, 
Now, all of a sudden, I'm in an environment where every Monday, the joke was you never buy a Monday car or a Friday car from General Motors. Monday, everybody's hungover. Friday, everybody's drunk. So you wanted a production date to be Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, or Thursday. It was that bad. Right. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> this was back when the Japanese were just starting to kick our butts because the quality was so bad on American cars back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And so, but yeah, I got to General Motors. All of a sudden, now the guys are all going out to the bars. They go to the bar at lunchtime. They sneak across the and go to the bars. They go after work, and that's where the women are. And I said, "Hmm, I want to get laid. I want to. I want to have fun. I got a drink." Then that's when I started drinking. Because you saw everybody else around you having fun oh, with everybody, it and stuff everybody, like that. everybody, everybody, and also and being from somewhere, being a missionary's kid, you never see anything like that. And then I went from one extreme to the other. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whereas in the Marine Corps, active duty, yeah, we didn't have any liberty for the first 90 days, so nobody got to drink or smoke. You get busted for any kind of, even smoking was a big, big offense. Do you remember the name of the first girl you had sex with? Well, she was a prostitute, so I'm not going to remember her name. <laughs> what? <laughs> I paid for it. What? <laughs> she was also. The first woman you slept with was a prostitute? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where was this? I was 19. I, I was somewhere down in Kansas City, Missouri, a little hotel room. <laughs> you drove down in Kansas well, we, City? Oh, yeah. We Back in those days, you drove all over town. You weren't afraid of anything. We drove all over town. So you just drove yeah. down to Kansas City, well, Missouri? Well, Kansas City, Missouri. I mean, it, this wasn't in the hood, but this was in, you know. But, the, the you know, the hookers worked the area. They knew where the white boys were. The money were General Motors. You know? Well, you said white boys was your, was your first <laughs> prostitute? Was African-American. <laughs> That's how I knew my dad was cool. Hi, darling. Five o'clock, cool. <laughs> All right, thanks, Jana. I see. That's my being advice now. <laughs> <laughs> His new wife just I came I just out. The pooch, I? I just screwed the pooch. <laughs> His new wife just came out and done all that. That was great. So the first woman you ever slept with was an African American mm-hmm. woman. See, I always knew you were cool. I knew there was something about you. <laughs> well, you knew I had an affair to pay your mom back, because obviously she had an African American boyfriend. I had an ongoing relationship with a 19-year-old when I was 60. <laughs> I, I <laughs> she was 19, and I, we we hung out for about. I picked her up in a, I, I picked her up in a strip club, and she came dancing for me. And I said, "If you were mine, I'd spoil you rotten." And that was all it took. We we hooked up for about two months. Yeah, but when mom was had her boyfriend, you guys had split up by then. Well, we're split up, but I was still mad. I was still mad about it. Oh, and that was your, your I was payback? Holding, I was holding it. Was you were payback. like, you payback. have... Payback. <laughs> so <laughs> you're like, you have a black boyfriend, I'm going to have a black girlfriend? Yeah. That's a interesting payback method. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> made a lot of sense, didn't it? So it was... Most uh, of my life was about that convoluted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's progressive or the complete opposite. <laughs> that's a very, that's a very strange... Uh, w- w- place to be. So the first woman that you had sex with, I'm yeah. fascinated by this prostitute. Yeah, Kansas City. Yeah. How, do you remember how much it was? Uh, <laughs> Jan's back probably. inside. We're good. <laughs> We're good. I, I, this is, of course, this is 70s now. Six. I'm sorry. Yeah, 1970, 71. Yeah. About fifty dollars, seventy-five. No more than hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was when you were working at General Motors. General Motors. Yeah. So. What led you? Was there that many people that were talking about it in the Marines well, and yeah, I'm, and I'm just General like, Motors? Yeah, I'm having to hang my head in silence while all these young guys are talking. You know, they're all having an active sex life, and I have none. You yeah, know? slim and none, and slim left town. Right. So, <laughs> right. You know? so, so yeah, I, so I, I was definitely on, on. I was on. I was overdue. Overdue. So you you give the prostitute the money, right? And does she say, do you remember her name or anything like no, that? No, no, no. Okay, so just I just had to double check. Um, does she ask it you, what do you want, or does she know? No, really, because she was just there to get me off. I mean, it wasn't romantic at all, I assure you. It was not romantic. I mean, at that age, <laughs> wind can blow, you, you can get ready, but, right. but it was not romantic. And, and they, they make you, you have, they bring a washcloth out, so, you know, they, you know. It didn't require protection back in those days, but so you they, did. She wash your penis? The, no, she. They made sure they make sure you do. Oh, so you so you brought she brought a washcloth for you to go clean yeah. up in the well, bathroom. That's why they carry those big bags. They carry they've got everything in there with the kitchen sink. 
<laughs> so those hoe bags. She, now, you had heard so much about eating pussy. Right. Oh, no. Did no, you? I'm, no, that wasn't a consideration. <laughs> not at all. Not the and, first time. And those women, for that matter, they most of them will not let you kiss them. That's, that's off limits. Did you kiss her? No, that's off limits. So it was just penetration. Penetration. That's it. <laughs> all 10 <laughs> minutes of it. <laughs> 10 minutes? I was about to ask you next. <laughs> I knew that was coming. So I yeah, yeah. get that out yeah, of Yeah, yeah. I was, I was curious first time how, how and, long. And there was so little in feeling or enjoyment on my part. She says, I think we're done. I think you. Really? And, and that, it was mechanical. It, it was and you were just enjoyable. almost like getting it out of the way kind I, of all, thing? It was like get it out. Get, yeah. it, it was like I just had to lose my virginity. That was all it was about. Yeah. Yeah. Not, there was no enjoyment. Well, the second time, did you have a much better time? Did you wait on somebody who, or the second or third time around? Yeah, there? my second. I hooked up with a little Catholic girl. Uh-huh. And her, I remember her. No, oh, I remember her name. I won't give it on that. She might be alive, but she might have not died of cancer, so I can't give you her name. <laughs> We'll just say Kathy. Her name was Kathy also. And Kathy. But she had the Pilates thing going. As as Larry the Cable Guy, the, instead of Pilates, it was Pilates. <laughs> the Catholic girls, you could, oh, they believe it. Uh, birth control was just not, you couldn't you couldn't finish inside. You had to pull out. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's Catholic all that's the way. The, that's their form yep. of, oh, mm-hmm. their form of birth control. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it, it still counts as sex, though, oh, oh, to yeah. them. Yeah, 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 certainly. So that was that was my first real experience where I had a relationship. And was that like a girlfriend that you had for a while? Yeah, we dated for a while. How how'd you meet her? I don't remember how I met her, picked her up, so, you know. Met yeah, her. yeah. But it wasn't a bar. I mean, back in those days, you waitress uh, waitresses are fair game. Mm-hmm. Um, meet somebody at a park. Uh, I don't know. People, you got to remember the sexual revolution was pretty going pretty strong. I picked up a real hitchhiking one right? time. Yeah, I picked up a girl hitchhiking one time, went to her apartment. Just, if if a girl was attracted to you, you're attracted to her, it just happened. Oh, it was just, yeah, a different way yeah, of life was, then. Yeah, people didn't, you didn't have AIDS back well, then. Well, what do you think of the age of, like, Tinder, these apps where people are hooking up just by swiping left and right? Do you think it's, that's better or worse than it was for in the 70s? Anything to eliminate the pimp and the middleman is a good thing. I mean... <laughs> 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 it eliminates the pimp. I mean, yeah. the pimp is, a, you know, he beats up his, his hose, you know, slap a hoe, you know, type of deal. And, no, I'm for, all for eliminating the pimp. If a woman's going to do it, let her be her own boss. Yeah. I'm all about entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> now, some some people uh, wanted to ask, uh, just from seeing your videos, we'll get into it briefly and then we'll, we'll close the show out. I usually close the show out with uh, something called sax talk. I, unfortunately, I don't have my saxophone with me. Uh, but we've covered a lot of your sexual stories. Uh, <laughs> More than we probably should have, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they've, been, they've been amazing. Um, so what do you think of uh, what do you think of the current politics and, and masks right now with the coronavirus and stuff like that? Uh, the mask outdoors is, uh, from all I've read, and again, my opinion is worth, worth no more or no less than what I've read. In the, and our opinions are based on who we're listening to. If you listen to conservative radio and conservative TV, you have a different opinion about masks than you do if you're listening to CNN or in the other side of the coin. Uh, I personally think masks outdoors are a waste of time. Uh, I will wear them if I am uh, interacting with people outdoors and it, it causes them to be offended. Uh, the good book tells me that uh, as much as possible to avoid being of offense to other people. If, in particular, if it's nothing more than me wearing a mask, which is a minor inconvenience, then I'll do it for the sake of peace and harmony in mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. That's my philosophy on it. And politics right now, where do you think the country's at right now with politics? Going to hell in a handbasket, just pure and simple. We are now at the, we are at the mercy of these <laughs> reprobates. Speak freely. <laughs> sodomites, bottom line. What? We, Who are sodomites? Anybody that's endorsing homosexuality, we have now as the Secretary of Transportation, Mr. Budigeg, kisses his male husband on, which is, there's no such thing. You can't have two husbands. The only husband and wife are the only thing ordained by God. But anyway, he kisses his gay lover on national TV in celebration of his new appointment to his position. So, yes, I'm 100% against that kind of thing. I'm against the public display of emotion and affection even between men and women in public. Well, do you think, what are your thoughts on if somebody is gay married, right? but they go to church and they say they believe in God and that they worship regularly, what are your thoughts on that? Satan believes in God. That doesn't make him a Christian. <laughs> he, he, Satan's not an atheist. 
Satan's not an atheist. Anything else? <laughs> oh, I'm just I'm just curious because I mean this this is where so if we're talking a little theology and stuff sure. like that, this is where I have I believe that regardless of of sexual orientation, if you believe in God and you're a good person, mm-hmm. then I think that that's okay. Like I I think that that's that that's basically like I, I'm I'm basically at a place in my life and my life views and and, and I I think that they will still get into heaven if who knows if there is actually a heaven I I believe there is a heaven but I think that they will still go to heaven I think from the beginning God or they asked Jesus about divorce he said from the beginning it was not so he said a man would leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the same would become one flesh he didn't say a man would leave his his mother and father and join another man Jesus Christ clearly could ordain the relationship of a man and a woman as the proper way of marriage. There's nothing in history, all throughout history, we've never, no society has ever condoned marriage between two people of the same sex. This is something new, it's something revolutionary, and it is destructive to the family. It does not produce children. Obviously, if everybody became gay, and other than through artificial insemination, we'd have the elimination of our society within 50 years. There'd be no more people on the planet if all men married men and women married women. So, therefore, common sense says, for reproductive purposes itself, for leaving religion out of it, common sense is that you put the opposite sex together to reproduce. God did not create Adam and Eve. He created Adam and Eve. He didn't create Adam and Steve. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I've heard, <laughs> you knew it was coming. I, I had, had to get I, it in I, there. I've heard, but I asked you. I, I asked right. you, and right. we're just having a conversation now, about now, it. We're having a dialogue about token, it. Yeah. Jesus Christ died for all humanity. He loves the sinner. Yes, Jesus died not, for everybody. He hates sin. The sin it caused his death on the cross. So he hates sin, but he loves the sinner. I have gay people. My wife has a gay hairdresser. I'd love to have him for dinner if he wanted to come to dinner tonight. He could join us. I have. I don't hate a single gay person on the planet. I have some. When I was in sales, I had gay customers. I would go drink wine with them on their front porch while they waved at their gay lovers as they walked by, and I had a great relationship with them. I never had a problem with it. But by the same token, does that mean that I approve of their lifestyle? I'm sorry, I don't. But that doesn't mean I don't. I, I don't hate. I don't hate. Right. Any you, you still that, love everybody. Absolutely. If you can, yeah, yeah. if you don't have love in your heart for everybody, then you're not a Christian. There you go. That's a good positive, <laughs> positive way to, <laughs> to to seal that. Um, because the same, I, I think that's a good. I think that's got, a good point. No, but I, I, to, on a positive note, all sin separates us from a, a perfect, sinless God. If if God is being, if he's God, if God's not perfect and not sinless, then God, help and help us. We're all in trouble. So if based on absolute perfection, we all fall short of the glory. So the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's it. I'll go. leave it at that. So uh, to wrap up this podcast, um, I just want to ask you, because I would love to do more episodes with you in the future. We, I, I literally, I we're, I'm splitting time between you and, and mom's house right now. I'm about to go over there uh, so I can see her for a little bit. Um, but uh, I want to ask you, so I'm about to become a dad. Mm-hmm. What is your advice, if you have any words of wisdom for your son becoming a, a father? Love your mother. Love love the mother of your child. the The, you, the child is going to learn. They, they they say about a Christian, people don't care what I say; they care what I do. They're they're reading me. We I may be the only Bible somebody ever reads. So if I'm if I genuinely say I'm a Christian, it's based on how I live and how I act, not what I say. By the same token, if you love your child, love your love your wife, and that they learn to love through loving parents. That's the only advice I'd give you. Other than that, you got to wing it. You got to figure it out for yourself because I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the last person to give family advice as far as raising children. That's a whole different sack of cats. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. <laughs> well, Dadu, I love you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> enjoyed it. For uh, spending time with me today. It's, hey, thank you. I'm honored that you do this. Uh, maybe you can clip it out enough where there's five or ten minutes worthwhile stuff in here, but uh, it's been fun. No, it'll be. I think people will uh, enjoy getting to know my dad a little bit more. And uh, is there anything that you want to say before uh, we say goodbye? I want to say this, that the solution to this country 
politically is not in the White House until a person has found the way to love those different from, our, from ourselves, until we love is the great, the only solution to the political problems in this country, until we can love people different from us and have compassion for them, there'll never be a solution to the politics of this country. That's all I got. Beautifully said. Love you, Dado. Love you, son. Jeremiah Wonders, Jeremiah Wonders, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Wonders.